0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, what a big day. God's blessings to you, Lydia, and Autumn, as today is the day that you will publicly make a confession of your Christian faith. Confirmation is a blessing to us as Christians. It's an opportunity to make that public statement of what we believe, and to make a public vow or a promise you two today and most of the confirmed people in this room have done that they state what they believe then they promise to be diligent in living out what they believe today you will remember and affirm your baptism where god has claimed you as your own as his own. You will confess that you believe that the Bible is the true, inspired, and errant Word of God. You will boldly proclaim that you belong to that living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, by professing the Apostles' Creed. You will say that the confession of faith found in the small catechism and that I have labored as your servant and a servant of Christ to instill into your hearts is faithful and true. And preaching what the Bible teaches. And then you will promise to make this confession today your own. You will live and die by it. You will suffer all, even death, rather than deny what God has proclaimed to be true. Today is not just a public ceremony or a rite of passage where you get to start taking communion. It's not something you do just because, hey, you're in eighth grade and that's what happens in eighth grade. You go through confirmation, right, as you start eighth grade. No, it's a confession and promise before God and his people in this congregation that you believe in and will bind yourself to the truth of God's word for the rest of your life. I want you to be fully aware today that as you make your public confession and declare this promise that you are doing so in your own human weakness, I want you to make this confession in humility, in faith. Even as I did 20 years ago, or over 20 years ago, more than that now, and everyone here that's a member of this congregation, underwent the same training and instruction and spoke pretty much the same words as you will today. We all made and continue to make this confession of faith, knowing that we are weak and poor sinners who have powerful foes standing against us even now as the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature will seek every opportunity to make what happens today, to make the confession that you state today, seem like nothing. They're going to make every effort to make you think that everything you've learned and everything you confess is not important. They will make your promise to live according to this seem totally irrelevant and at least negotiable. As you go on from today, you are entering into a wilderness of temptation, and that if not understood and dealt with, that temptation can overtake and destroy you. So stand in humility. St. Paul doesn't mince words in our epistle lesson today as he talks about the Christian life and temptation. He uses ancient Israel during their wilderness wandering as an example. The Israelites, they were saved by God. God had acted wondrously and miraculously for the people of Israel. He had rescued the Israelites from Egypt. God sent those ten magnificent plagues upon the people of Egypt. And they had passed through the Red Sea. They had seen the crushing and powerful weight of the sea fall upon the armies of the Egyptians. They had been led through the wilderness by God himself in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God had provided for them. He had blessed them with water that flowed from the rock. He had given them manna and quail to eat as they traveled through the wilderness. He had brought them to the base of Mount Sinai where God had enveloped the mountain in fire and smoke. And he had spoken the word of the Ten Commandments in the hearing of the people of Israel. These are people who had seen the terrible power of God. They had seen his wrath, but they had also seen his majesty, his mercy, his steadfast love, his providential care, and his peculiar promise that was being worked out in the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring a savior into the world. When the people of Israel arrived at Mount Sinai, they too made a promise. They said, all that the Lord has spoken to us, we will do it. Yet what happened? What happened to the vow of the Israelites? They had heard the voice of God and were terrified. Time and time again, they fell as they traveled through the wilderness. Temptations came again and again and again upon the people of Israel, and they fell. They fell to their own destruction. And those who hardened their hearts in their sin, they were slain in the wilderness. They died for their denial of God, their rejection of his word. Paul references several cases in which the Israel's rebellion was so radical that God had to remove those who were hardened in their sin like cancer from a body. Paul uses very specific examples. We hear about the idolatry of the golden calf when Moses was up on the mountain for just a little bit too long. And so what did the people do? Well, they take out their earrings and they forge a golden calf so that they can worship it. They said that it was the God. That, that calf was the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They had the living God, not just a few feet away, up on Mount Sinai, speaking to Moses. And yet they chose to worship a golden statue. And God punished them for their idolatry. Paul also referenced when the people were tempted by the worship of Baal, uh, by the Moabites. See, the men of Israel, they were seduced by really beautiful Moabite women. And then they said, hey, come worship our God, Baal Peor. And another time, the people grumbled against the Lord and rebelled against Moses because they were sick and tired of the delicious manna that the Lord was providing for them. And another time the people grew jealous of Moses and Aaron and grumbled against them and sparked a rebellion saying, "We're not going to the promised land. Let's fight Moses and Aaron and we'll take you back to Egypt." God appeared at the tabernacle and began to consume the people at that event. And it was only when Aaron prayed and interceded for the people that God relented. You see, the people of Israel, they had every advantage. They had seen the wonders. They had experienced the divine love and providence of God. They had the law of God proclaimed to them. God was in their midst continually. Yet what happened? They fell. They made a good confession. They swore to uphold the law of God. Yet time and time again they fell into temptation. It happened over and over again and it still happens. Maybe not so brazenly as it did to the children of Israel, but it happens all the same. You know, there's a, a joke that pastors used to tell that kind of stopped being funny uh, decades ago, but it goes like this. It says, pastors are like magicians. They can make people disappear. You want to know how? They confirm them. <sighs> what happens? Oh, it's, it's painful to say it. I, I don't want to laugh, but I do. Uh, what happens? Why is it that compromands make this wonderful confession, this honest promise, and then isolate themselves from the church of God? Just like with Israel, there are many things that lead to it. Sometimes it's poor instruction by the pastors. They just didn't teach. Sometimes parents can be a stumbling block. Either they're not all that committed to the church and their Christian faith, or they're more interested in being liked by their children so they don't discipline them when they don't want to come to church. Uh, We also must factor in that when children reach the age of confirmation, sometimes they've already experienced years of irregular or non-existent church attendance. Not to mention, sometimes there's lack of family devotions, teaching, and prayer led by concerned and faithful mothers and fathers. And certainly another reason is that the church isn't convenient. It isn't pleasing to our sinful flesh to to give up several hours of our weekend where we could be sleeping a little bit longer or doing whatever we really want to do. We don't get to do all the entertaining and fun activities that we've been taught by the rest of the world we deserve. And then, of course, there's just apathy. The confirmands didn't really care. When they were going through the instruction for confirmation they didn't follow through with memory work and they really didn't pay attention in class and it's no surprise that when they fall after making their confession on confirmation sunday well it's because they never cared in the first place it wasn't really that important so it won't be important later annum and lydia that's not you i love you more importantly Your God loves you. Christ has died for you. You have been baptized into Christ. You have been instructed in what Christ has taught us. Your sins are forgiven you. Whatever weaknesses you've had up to this point, Christ has covered. The immeasurable and wonderful riches of God's grace, they are yours. You are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You are precious to your God. You are his children. He is your father, and he loves you like a father. He has adopted you into his heavenly family. He has a room for you in his house. He feeds you from his heavenly banquet with gifts of forgiveness, of sins, eternal life, and salvation. There is nothing more wonderful and more important than this. There is nothing better than this. There are no other alternatives that will give what God has given to you through his word and his promises. Video games, friends, popularity, money, fun, sex, worldly approval, worldly comfort, or anything else cannot provide for you with what your God has provided for you through his son. As you make your confession today, Do so with sincere faith. Do so with humility. And don't forget it. Do not fall for the first temptation that would drive you away from the church of God. Rather, flee from that temptation into God's church. Find support and help among the people of God. Be relieved from your sins and the means of grace that are delivered to you by Christ. Hear God's word preached into your heart and into your life. Let the law of God call your sin what it is. Hear the gospel that says your sins are forgiven you for the sake of Jesus who has died. Eat and drink the Lord's Supper as often as you are able to because you will need it. As Jesus says through St. Paul, the cup of blessing that we bless is is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ because there is one bread we who are many are one body for we all partake of one bread be one live as one in the body of Christ join this body of fellow weak sinners each and every week as we're made one with Christ as we eat and drink for the forgiveness of sins join Weak men like me, and weak people like the people here, who come here every week for one thing, to hear the promises of Christ declared to them, to hear that their sins are forgiven them, to be strengthened in the promises of Christ because we need to hear them over and over and over again. Remember, every time Israel failed in the wilderness, God always came back to declare his promises to them. And he continued to carry out their promises. As it says in 2 Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying, For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But we are faithless, he remains faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. See, God is gracious. God is merciful and abounding in steadfast love. God is quick to forgive. He always shows mercy to sinners. He never forgets what he has promised. If he were to forget the forgiveness that he has won for you, he would be denying himself. This is not what God does. This is not who God is. God cares for sinners. God forgives sinners, and that is what we are. Don't forget that. Don't forget that you are sinners, but don't also don't forget that God is gracious for the sake of His Son. God has given everything to redeem you from your sin. Do not forget the continual care that God provides for you, as you will continually live in a struggle with your sin. Because just as Israel has been tempted, you will be tempted. And your trials and temptations, they are just beginning. They're going to build up in this life, and they're going to get more intense and more difficult. But in the midst of it all, your God is gracious. The life that you live in Christ will be a constant appeal to that gracious nature of the God who loves you. The same God who disciplined the Israelites in the wilderness remained with them in grace. He planted himself right in their midst. He had Moses build the tabernacle. He appointed priests to minister to his people. He built the ark to symbolize his merciful rule over them. He brought them into the promised land, and he did not stop there. He carried them through the wilderness and through the centuries of trials and temptations. And ultimately, he was faithful in sending his son to demonstrate the great love he has for his people. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know Him. But beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. See, life with Christ has promises, purity, forgiveness, life, joy, hope, blessing. Flee from the world. Flee into those promises. You will be tempted. Your faith will be tested and tried by this world. You will suffer and struggle as you live in your Christian faith. I guarantee you it will happen. You will have to deny yourself things that the world would never dream of denying themselves. There will be promises of pleasure, comfort, acceptance from the world that will be undeniably appealing to you. Sometimes it will be hard to say no to what the world is promising you. Sometimes you will have no other options than to run away and rid yourself of something that the world says is normal. You might have to throw your smartphone out the window you might have to eliminate screens from your life. You might have to pick up and move to a different place because what you're doing in that one place is going to hurt you in the long run. And sometimes you will fail. Every time, though, whether you stand firm, whether you fall, remember the God who loves you, the God who has given his Son for you, the God who has washed you and redeemed you, the God who has forgiven all of your sins and will continually forgive all of your sins. Run to Him. When you are tempted, run to church. Run to the mercy of Christ. Run to your ultimate escape when tempted, in the mercy of God who forgives sins. And while God always has provided a way out for temptation, and He always will, He ultimately will deliver us from every temptation by delivering us from this world. Stand firm. Strengthen yourselves. Come to church. Receive the means of grace. Remember your baptism as you were called out from this world of sin into the family of Christ. Listen to good preaching that delivers to us the word of God. Read your Bible. Come to Bible study. Review that catechism of yours. Pray. Make prayer so much of a priority in your daily life that you cannot imagine skipping it. And when trials and temptations come, you will be not caught unaware. If you are armed with these gifts, you will be blessed. Your heart and your life will be fortified in the grace of Christ Jesus. And as the assaults of the evil one come upon you, your heart will be fortified. God will bless you. God will be your fortress. As it says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose stream make, streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. That's God's church, by the way, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, as the nations rage, kingdoms totter, his, he utters his voice, the earth melts. And the Lord of hosts will stand with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. And he says, be still. And know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Dwell in the fortified city of God. Stand upon the unshatterable, unbreakable rock of refuge that we have in Christ. Stand with God's church. Stand firm as God speaks his righteousness into your life. Stand on the only certain ground that is in this ever-changing and chaotic world. That is the forgiveness of sins won for you in Christ. That is the thing that will remain and constantly remains constant over this creation. It is unbreakable. Christ has died for sinners. And as we stand upon this solid ground, you will be made strong. You'll be made strong to withstand the attacks of the evil one because God's word is certain. It's as unchanging as he is. My dear my dear congregation, my dear friends in Christ, make your confession. Stand firm in the promises of Christ, and as you make your confession in Christ Jesus, you are standing on the firmest of foundations. Not only that, you are standing in the faith in the midst of multitudes who have been redeemed. Every Christian who has ever lived stands with you making that one true confession. By faith we see Christ, by faith we hear his voice, by faith we receive the gift of forgiveness in life, by faith we hear his voice saying to us in the midst of the chaos and the pain and the temptation of this world, be still and know that I am God. I have won your salvation, I have forgiven your sins, I have called you by name, you are mine and I will always and continually purify and care for you. Behold, I will be with you always. That same God stands with you now. That same Lord Christ dwells with you now in the promises of his word. Be bold as you live as a child of God. Be bold as you make your confession. Be humble as you face the challenges of this life. But always, always rest in the promises of Jesus there is forgiveness, there is life, and there is salvation. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, be with our confirmants, Keep and sustain them in true saving faith and strengthen your holy church. Help us to be on guard against the attacks of the evil one. Guide us out from any temptation that would destroy our faith in you. And help us to remember that we are sinners who are saved by the grace of Christ alone. Enable us to flee from temptations to sin and to the forgiveness of sin that is found in the fellowship of your church. And keep us in true fellowship with your church as we continually hear Christ proclaiming his victory over sin and death. In the name of Jesus, amen.